everybody, and welcome to another episode of Talking Kotlin. My name is Seb, uh, and as usual, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Hadi. Hadi, how are you? I'm good. I'm actually at the point where I want summer to finish. Is that right? It's it's getting a little bit too... I mean, I'm not going to complain. But, oh, screw it. You know, I always <laughs> After he complained. <laughs> Yeah, I I just want this thing to kind of be over. Oh, you know, uh, I've it's... I've I've just I've realized that that going outside when it's dark and the sun isn't burning down uh, from the sky uh, is a much more comfortable experience. But apart from that, I agree with you at least on the general toastiness. Yeah, I don't go out when it's dark. I, is that I, I stay inside for a particular reason, or just and I'm I'm just scared of the dark. That okay. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, you didn't expect know, that, like, did you? Uh, no, you don't know how like, to come back from that, right? I, it's like, whoa. Well, surely okay. there's like a street light yeah. or a. Wait, or I got a, wait, hold yeah. on. I got a sofa. Like, can I lie on the sofa and you can, like, you know, um, ask me some more. How is this related what? to my father? It's not related to my father, okay? Yeah. But the real yeah. question is probably rather how is this related to, uh, to Kotlin, which the answer is I, I don't think it is. Unless. Actually, it is. Dark you know mode? Why? Is... No, Kotlin Knights. <laughs> Kotlin Knights. Oh. That's what scared me. Yeah, there you go. I see. Okay, that sounds uh, that sounds pretty spooky. Yes. Anyway, talking about knights, let's uh, welcome our guest. I don't know how that relates, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, today on the show we have uh, Rick Clayfas. Hi, Rick. Hi. Do you want to briefly uh, introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I'm uh, Rick Clayfas. Uh, I am from uh, the Netherlands, south of the Netherlands. I work at Ketchup, an app development agency. Um, I've been developing apps since, uh, I don't know for how long, but quite some time. And uh, became obsessed uh, a couple of years ago with Kotlin. So, yeah, and then we're here. So you said you work at Ketchup? Close. Yeah, correct. Okay, so you do know that there is a brand of Kotlin, a uh, brand of Ketchup called Kotlin, right? In Poland. Did you know that? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh well, Google Google Kotlin images, and you'll see the. That's the very cool. That is very cool. There you go. Maybe it's a it's a good idea for like decoration or like giveaways uh, at the next company event. It's... Yeah, I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> yeah, just don't infringe on the trademark of the Kotlin ketchup. The 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 the, the folks in Poland will be very angry. So, yeah. so what? So uh, you said you've been developing apps. I assume that means mobile apps. But uh, were you like specializing on on an individual platform, or like did you always kind of do iOS and Android? What did that look like? Uh, well, it started out with Android because uh, I didn't have a Mac, so it was Android all the way um, until yeah. Well, you can't really make an app without iOS, so yeah. One day or another, you're gonna have to buy it and uh, see where it gets you. But uh, yeah, I currently do both. But yeah, I really love Android, so that's still my preference over iOS, of course. So. And how long ago have you have you started? Just to give us a, a rough idea. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, what's it like? It's uh, 2023, so uh, maybe. I don't know, 10 years. All right. Team. I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that sounds I'm like it. Than that, so I'm not sure, but. Yeah. 
So the, the so the reason we um we brought you on the on the show today is is actually because you are a, a contributor of a, a or or the creator of a couple of um the open source projects or or libraries that uh, particularly help Kotlin multi-platform developers. Um, and those are KMP native coroutines as well as a KMM view model. Do you want to maybe give us a, a brief overview of uh, those two libraries and, and what they do? Yeah, sure. So uh, uh, let's start with uh, KMP native coroutines. Um, basically, it helps use Kotlin coroutines in Swift, you know, Swift application with, I don't know, combine or uh, Swift concurrency. Um, that's basically the short version. And KMM view model is, well, I like to combine the two because the, yeah, KMP native coroutines really helps when you're using state flows and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just basically a wrapper around the Android Jetpack view model to, uh, yeah, provide interrupt to that, to the um, Swift UI observable object uh, kind of classes. So for folks that aren't familiar with the challenges of using coroutines uh, when you're creating iOS applications, can you explain what these are and how native coroutines help you? Uh, sure. Um, well, basically, it's not smart at all. So uh, interrupt by Swift goes through Objective-C. Objective-C has uh, some major limitations, which means that uh, suspend functions become uh, completion handlers in Swift, which doesn't support cancellation or uh, there's also this kind of annoying thing with generics on a flow interface, which doesn't support in Objective-C. So you kind of lose a lot of the nice functionalities you have in Kotlin, which are Supported in Swift, but just not in Objective C, which is yeah, sad. But there are workarounds. So, and so, what does your library actually do? Uh, what it does, it just transforms the Kotlin API into a somewhat ugly API that's workable in Objective C, so that Swift understands it, and uh, you can convert it to, I don't know, a combined publisher if you want. Uh, basically all based on closures and the nice capabilities of Kotlin and Swift where you can use generic functions. Okay, so if we if we compare it to a, um, to a pure Kotlin application that doesn't have Swift inside, I would probably want to design like most of my APIs just exposing like suspend functions or flows um, or something like that. And then the, the, the key problem is that, that when I do make that uh, that switch over into the into the Swift world, it's that it's like this this connection layer that that's giving me trouble out of the box right now. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, correct. Okay, and then what do I actually need to change in uh, in my Kotlin code when I use KMP native coroutines? Do I actually have to redesign everything? Is it just like a, kind of like a decorator that I add, or what does that look like? Uh, you basically don't have to change a thing. You just annotate your uh, coroutines functions, so suspend functions or flow properties or something like that with a fancy annotation. You add KSP and the plugin, and it just generates the whole bench for you. 
the only real thing you have to change is on the iOS side where you need to use a small wrapper function around your uh, yeah calls. So instead of just calling directly to the uh, Kotlin function, you have to wrap that function in a little helper function. So you get the async function for, I don't know, my fancy Kotlin function. Um, that's the only difference, basically. Is that something that you would do manually, or is that also something that KMP Native Coroutines takes care of, like doing that wrapping? Uh, the wrapping on the Swift side, you have to do manually, for now at least. Maybe in the future you don't, but who knows? Okay, I see. Um, and then uh, just to kind of wrap up the the, the, the overview part here, uh, with KMM View Model, uh, you said it. Uh, provides just integrations with I guess the 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 underlying like life cycle of of what a view model looks like on on iOS and, and on Android. Um, what does that actually uh, generally entail? Because so if I think about it, I know that my my view models on Android um, need to like survive activity recreation um, as well as they provide a coroutine scope um, that is kind of bound to the to the life cycle on android what what does the what does your uh, multi-platform version of the view model do on on ios um well it it, it it tries to map your otherwise android view model to an observable object uh, so that means it provides uh, coroutine scopes that you can use coroutines in your kotlin code um, and it has a little logic behind the scenes where it uh, allows you to observe the state changes of the state flows. So that Swift gets reminded that something's changed and it can re-render to Swift UI. Or if you use Combine, you can uh, subscribe on the publisher. All right. Um, and is there is there an equivalent of kind of this like life cycle integration uh, on the iOS side? Because I mean, I, I think you're the... The operating system may, for example, still like kill your kill your app or uh, force it to like deallocate something when it when it runs low on memory. Is there any integration happening there? No, not really. It's just updating the state. That's basically it. It isn't really the issue on iOS with lifecycle isn't that big of a deal. Obviously, there are still cases, but it's uh, much less with than with Android. So it's purely focused on providing state changes to the Swift code. Okay. And just to be just to be clear here, so the KMM view model at least initially was was designed for for people who share essentially all the all the code in your in your app uh, as as Kotlin multi-platform and then you expose that view model and if whether it's you or a colleague who's building the the Swift UI implementation on one side and the the Android I don't know maybe Compose implementation uh, on the other side, uh, they would then just consume that that shared view model. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So I have a much simpler question. Uh, why is it called KMM view model, and the other one's called KMP <laughs> native coroutines? Yeah, I might have to rename that now since uh, you not only already. might you have to. Like I have to. Already. Yeah, that's like uh, you know, we we will disown you as a library if you don't uh, if you don't rename that. <laughs> all right, all right. Like, we broke two thousand applications. Doesn't matter, but we got our KMP right. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, feel like... well. Yeah, go ahead. It's, 
it's a I don't know naming's hard, so I just figured a name. And in case of KMP native coroutines, it was really useful for all possible targets, not just a specific subset. So I don't know macOS and watchOS also benefit from it, which didn't really fall under the KMM term, um, where KMM view model was initially just I don't know yeah for mobile, so Android and iOS. But yeah, it works on all. So. so for those people who aren't following all of Hadi's talks religiously and all of our announcement posts, uh, to give a little yeah, to give a little bit of of context uh, here, the uh, the KMM, the Kotlin multi-platform mobile uh, abbreviation, uh, is something that we no longer use. Uh, and it's, it's dead. It, there we go. That's it's, it's dead. dead. And instead, it should have never been alive. Now it's dead. There, there we go. It's locked in the basement. And everything's just Kotlin multi-platform now. So keep that exactly. in mind when you create your next uh, Kotlin multi-platform project with KMM view model or KMP native coroutines. Yeah, and if you want to come on the show, one one requirement is that you rename your stuff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But uh, coming back to the to the view model, do you feel in any way that the view model you've brought in, I mean, is it generic enough that folks on the iOS side that don't even do Kotlin multi-platform would be aligned with? Or is it very much influenced by Android side of things? Um, it's very much influenced by the Android side of things, definitely. It's just basically you write an Android view model and use that for iOS. Um, I'm not really sure if uh, if it will be useful, in what way it will be useful. It was more of an experiment to see um, what was possible. So it was possible to have an Android view model and use that for iOS. And it's even possible to subclass those view models, uh, those shared view models in uh, your iOS or your end application. So you can extend the functionality on both platforms. So it's, I think it really aligns well with the concept of Kotlin multi-platform. And yeah, I think you have to see and use it for yourself to see if it uh, will work and in what capacity. So you said that the view model was kind of like an experiment to see how much you can share. Um... How did uh, KMP native coroutines come about? Was there a like was there a need uh, that that you felt at some point uh, while working on a project, or was it also just like a let's see what we can do type thing? Uh, definitely seconds. Um, as I said, I was a little obsessed with Kotlin multi-platform, so I was following all those blog posts and experiments from other people, and I think it was about two years ago. Um, when Russell Wolf posted his updated findings about uh, the Kotlin coroutines usage in Swift. And it really made me think about the limitations it had. It's just, yeah, the fact that you needed to write a lot of boilerplate and not just on the Swift side, but also on the Kotlin side. I, I didn't really like that. I didn't really want to accept that that was reality. So uh, I thought, why not see if we can do uh, something a little different where we could possibly decouple Swift from uh, Kotlin and see if you can turn this into a library. 
so that's basically where it started. All right, and I, I think it's actually uh, kind of grown quite a lot in uh, also in terms of adoption or, or recommendation. I mean, when when we're looking at it from the uh, from the JetBrains perspective, uh, I think you've kind of hit the the nail on the head there. That where the the current like out of the box experience um, of of working with uh, with coroutines from Swift is just it's just not where it uh, where it should be, and it seems that that uh KMP native coroutines really is one of those approaches that that helps make it uh much much uh smoother. I'm I'm curious though like again you you kind of you said you were obsessed with it and you you wanted to experiment with it and see with it. Did you actually end up using KMP native coroutines in in any kind of production apps or do you maybe know of other like projects that that have deployed KMP native coroutines in production? Uh, at work, we're starting to use it. We're migrating all our yeah, migrating. We're starting to use Kotlin multi-platform for all our new applications. So that's also where we're starting to use it. Um, I know of a lot of sample applications out there that use it, but I don't really know about any production applications other than yeah, the ones I'm working on first. So, um, so. You said you were kind of obsessed with uh, kind of Kotlin multi-platform starting about two years ago. I'm I'm guessing, yeah, it was uh, kind of an, an ongoing effort. And you you said, as we have heard, um, it's already at the point where where you folks are are accepting that it can be used in uh, in production applications. But I'm just curious, kind of what how how you would assess the the overall state um, of of the project. Maybe some parts where you say, "Hey, this still kind of like needs to be done. Uh, we need to evolve this library somehow." What does that look like right now? Uh, yeah, it's basically somewhere between alpha, beta. I don't know, somewhere in between. Um, it's come a long way since the first experiment. The basics are still the same. It still uses closures and the genetic functions, um, but I think the, the the real power is in the code generation and the assistance when you use it because the basic fundamentals of uh, how you can expose suspend functions to Swift so that you can support every kind of scenario uh, are just there. That that's it. So that's not really going to change. It's more in uh, the different kind of scenarios. So currently, it only supports. Um, usage from Kotlin to Swift. So you can use your suspend functions in Swift, but you can't use your async Swift functions in Kotlin, for example, which is something I think that needs to be supported to make it fully stable. Um, there's also this thing that I not really like that much, or at least, uh, at the very first beginning, I implemented the compiler plugin so that it would generate all the boilerplate automatically. So you didn't have to do anything. You just put in the plugin, and that was it. It just generated everything. Um, but it was a little bit hacky. And it uh, caused some uh, very not nice bugs where you started to compile your project. So that wasn't really feasible for the future, which is why it's now using KSP. Uh, which has the downside of you need to use those annotations, which, all right, I can live with that, but preferably not. 
um, and it generates extension functions, which brings a whole new era of problems when you're using interfaces. Um, so I think that's something that I'm not sure if it's even feasible, but it would be great if that could be automated again. Um, but yeah, I think it's basically in supporting every case, um, adding more documentation. I know a readme isn't, uh, yeah, everything is there, but it's not really discoverable. So that might be a good point to work on. So talking about work uh, recently, I don't know how, okay, it will eventually lead to work. Bear, bear with me a moment. This is <laughs> one of those pivots that, that have no, no bearing whatsoever. Uh, recently, you got a grant from the Kotlin Foundation. And if folks aren't aware, uh, the Kotlin Foundation is now giving out grants to a bunch of libraries. Uh, I think we got over 100 plus nominations and uh, you were one of the winners and uh, you got a, a a whole bunch of money okay okay let's let's br bring full disclosure how much was that whole bunch of money that you got six thousand dollars okay so <laughs> party out <laughs> right <laughs> there you go how how much did you blow on the night out now uh so that leads to has that money or is that money going to help you in any way to to move the project forward which is one of the goals of giving out money as part of the foundation yeah definitely it's it makes a lot of difference it um i think it really helps in the the motivation to do the work it's just uh, i love working on these kinds of things but when you have to choose between doing work or doing all that kind of work and yeah, you know, you're going to think about what you get from things. So it definitely helps to, uh, I don't know, buy some time, literally, to work on it and to uh, think about uh, ways to improve it and to actually improve it afterwards. So it's definitely going to uh, help a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it obviously influences. I mean, do you do you, do you have kids? No, I don't. No. Okay. So if you ever have to choose between should I have kids or work on OSS, go with OSS. Way less painful and probably more gratifying as well. <laughs> and, and it saves a lot of money, right? So it saves a lot of money. <laughs> All of the money that you don't get paid for working on OSS, you save. Uh, yeah. Yes, this is a joke, people. Now it's going to come out and say, oh, my God, Hardy's saying that you shouldn't have kids or family life and you should dedicate it to OSS. No, I'm not saying that. But anyway, so that's actually good to know that uh, you are, it is going to motivate you. I think that's one of the biggest things, right? It's somehow, uh, you know, because the, 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 the comments and the issues in GitHub is, why isn't this damn thing that I'm not paying for working often aren't the best motivation? Uh, but on behalf of the foundation, if I may say, uh, uh, Seb, if you allow me, uh, now I'm going to get serious. On behalf of the foundation, we very much appreciate the work that you've put into uh, Native Coroutines and hope that this tiny little contribution can motivate more work and, and you know, pay back, in a sense, the, the work that you've been doing for the community. So thank you. That's it. I'm done with the serious talk now. Seb? What what do you mean? Do I do, is this the point where I jump in like a clown and just do a do a funny bit? <laughs> what? Oh, you know what this is? This is the moment where we talk about our sponsors, and this show is brought to you by. This is so cool. 
someone from the Kotlin community actually recommended this to me. They tweeted to me the other day. It's an Ibanez finger exerciser for guitar. So you can like push down each finger individually by keeping the other ones not moving. And it helps strengthen the muscles on your fingers. Um, no, and uh, Ibanez hasn't sponsored this show, but hey, it would be cool if they did, wouldn't it? <laughs> hit us up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, hit us up on... Uh, <laughs> do we even have a Twitter account? Yes. Yeah. Hit us up on Talking Kotlin and uh, we'll... Will teach you how to not be able to sponsor the show. What's so. what's Twitter? Am I right? Um, X. <laughs> I ref I refuse. I refuse. Uh, yeah. So uh, I actually br briefly while Hadi was doing his um his serious part, um, I started googling for a bit just to kind of see <laughs> uh, what uh, what um, projects were actually using KMP native coroutines. And, and a couple of ones that, that I think people in the, in the Kotlin multi-platform uh, multiverse are probably familiar with. Uh, it seems that a lot of uh, John O'Reilly's uh, example projects, like People in Space or Bike Share, um, they all seem to use KMP native coroutines, um, which is great because they're obviously all open source and they're designed to be uh, easily like readable uh, example projects. So we can probably put the links to some of those in the description as well. So you can kind of uh, poke around and see uh, KMP native coroutines uh, in action there. That's really cool. So um, I have another question just about the, the, the general use of, of KMP native coroutines. Uh, you said you're kind of moving towards this, uh, this kind of structure or, or using it in production uh with your with your projects um and i assume that means that you have someone like writing swift uh on your teams uh and you probably also have people working on the uh on the kotlin multi-platform part is there a like what's the what's the constellation for you usually is it is it everyone works on everything or some people specialize on like the ios front-end part and then consume it uh, and the other people work on like all the all the shared parts what does that look like uh, we work on everything. We're not that big of a team. Mm -hmm. uh, we've come from, uh, I'm not going to mention it because I hate the, the, the framework, but another framework where you... Uh, you you got to mention it now. I'm sorry. Like, Oh, no. <clears throat> All right. We have okay, been, I'll tell uh... you what. I'll tell you what. I'll mention some frameworks <laughs> and then you just make some noise if, if it's close, right? Maui, uh, React Native... <laughs> Uh, Flutter. Um, the I'm out of frameworks. <laughs> I don't know any other frameworks. That was quick. Is Xamarin still a thing? Quartz. That's well, my yeah, now. Oh. Yeah, that that was it. So yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, not a big like fan. Maui. I don't think you're alone there, so don't worry about it. No, but I don't like it. Anyway, uh, so we've come from Xamarin, Maui, whatever. Um, so we've always been writing everything for both platforms. So it didn't really change when we started to use Kotlin multi-platform. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little curious about this, right? Because there's a, the 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 fundamental difference. If we if we put compose multi-platform to the to the side for a second, it is very much that uh, with with Kotlin, your uh, multi-platform, you're still writing two like sets of native UIs, right? Um, so. So I'm actually curious now. This is because that's an that's an interesting story. Like going from from Maui to to Kotlin multi-platform. What motivated that in the first place? 
Um, books. Spending time on things <laughs> that you, you don't want to spend time on. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's the biggest motivator. It's it's really uh, you you pick a framework or, or no, no at least you, you want to create uh, a mobile application and obviously you want to do that in the native way because why not? It's it's just perfect. Um, but but then you get time, money, and everything involved, and you have to make some concessions. Um, but once you are going to spend a lot of time on fixing or working around things in a tool or framework that's supposed to help you save time, it, it doesn't really make that much sense anymore. So then you have to find something else. And I hope the experience with uh, with Kotlin multi-platform then has been better. <laughs> a lot better, yeah, definitely. All right. It's, 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 it's just um, I really like it just because of the ID behind Kotlin Multiplatform just alone. It's just the fact that you can choose what you want to share, where you want to share it. That, that really makes me feel like you have all the control. So you don't have, have to use everything. And if something doesn't work, it's no big deal. Obviously, yeah, you have to spend some more time because you have to write it twice. But whatever, it's just it will work in the end and that's not something uh, that you can easily do with other types of solutions so so that's actually one of the the selling points that we we always talk about right which is share what you want when you want um and you mentioned that you have to rewrite a lot uh where is that rewriting a lot like what is it where are you stopping the sharing that you said or if I if I didn't hear you correctly, you said you have to um, duplicate a lot. What did, what did you mean by that? Uh, what I mean by that is that obviously when you uh, when you start using Kotlin multi-platform, you want to share as much as possible. So if you encounter a scenario where you can't share something, yeah, then you have to write it twice because you have to write it native. But I think that's the whole plus side of Kotlin multi-platform that that you're um, that it's possible for you to do that that you're not just locked in you don't make a choice and I don't know three months ahead you find something oh no it doesn't work then there's always a backup plan that just works it's just yeah but is that in particular with the views with the UI I mean because like there is the possibility of actually pretty much you know writing everything a single time no seb i mean you you're doing that well, right? I, 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 mean, I think i think what maybe rick means here is is when you're when you're working with stuff that's like platform specific right like yeah that of yeah, course yeah, yeah yeah that yeah okay that part yes and you um, know what I'll, I'll also give this to you i i think i think even when we look at the um at the ui layer like again with with compose multi-platform you can share pretty much everything but even there uh i think we we would still be be well served or, or it's actually a great opportunity for the community as well um to have uh, some kind of uh abstraction layers over some some commonly used ui paradigms for example just having a a map view or a camera view that that works out of the box uh with or like a video player that works out of the box with with multiple systems again but i i feel like given that this whole stuff has been released like less than like 
six months ago uh i think we're we're still okay <laughs> we're, we're still on track but yeah if you're looking for a side project shared video player shared maps view i'm, I'm sure there's a um there's a couple of like interesting topics out there to be to be tried i'm actually curious um do you have any uh experience or did you play around with uh with compose multi-platform with a shared ui um as well rick um not really that much now i'm afraid okay Hey, I mean, there's there's always still time. Now, 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 hopefully, you'll be you'll be. Mo I'm because I, my next question would have actually been about the story between KMM view model uh, and and compose multi platform because the, it's again like the, the the classic case for for Kotlin. Uh, sorry, for compose multi platform as well. Uh, you if you design your your application kind of in the in the typical compose way, you are going to use a view model um, and. The only main difference is that even though you're multi-platform, you're going to be instantiating that view model from uh, from Kotlin code all the time. You're not going to use it from from Swift because all your UI is is built in in Compose multi-platform or in in Kotlin as well. So I was just curious if there's any integration there, maybe, or if you're you're planning on something like that. Uh, it's not there yet. That's something that's on my to-do list. I think um, when you're talking about view models and Compose versus Swift UI, when you're going to use Kotlin, the whole idea is that you share as much as you want when you want it. So it makes sense to uh, write a view model that you could possibly use in Swift UI, so that you could use a Swift UI view and migrate to Compose or vice versa. Um, and that's an idea for a game and view model that I've had a while, but yeah, then I have to uh, look into Compose multi-platform. So it's uh, still uh, somewhere along the list. Sure, but I but I think you actually you, you said that very very nicely again with the with the idea that well, if if the library could do both, uh, then once again you have a a place where you can decouple, where you can where you can pick whether you just use the uh, the view model from SwiftUI or whether you use it from Compose multi-platform on on whatever platform you're using, which uh, of course would be quite elegant. So if something's happening there, um, I'm I'll, I'll definitely keep an keep an eye on that. That would be really exciting, I think. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, in the meantime, I just uh, forked your project and I've searched and replaced 108 occurrences of KMM <laughs> to KMP. So I'll be sending you a pull request. I don't know if it compiles or not or where it builds, but yeah. Nice. Yeah. The big work is done. Now you just go yeah. and fine tune the little details. Yeah, just, you know, fix the publications, all these kind of and things. Then, no biggie. And then he's. And then he spent seven and a half months trying to update the coordinates on Maven Central. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh god. No, I'm, I'm serious. I actually did do that. But anyway, how else would I know that there's 108 occurrences? That's actually a lot. All right. Yeah, I yeah. know, and that's not even including the module name. So there you go. Oh, um, oh god. Yeah. That's actually a feature I'm missing in IntelliJ because in ReSharper, which is another of our tools, you have this feature of like I want to rename the project and it renames a project, all of the packages, everything there, but you do it at the project level. Um, I don't have that in IntelliJ. We should build that in case we do, in case in, in two years we call it not KMP, but KLF 
Ev. What's Ev? Anyway, right, Seth, you were saying. Oh, no, I was. Th- don't worry. Ev. Whatever train of thought I had, completely derailed. <laughs> Just don't worry. Don't worry about it. That's, that's all good. Um, Light railway. Yeah. All right. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So this is this is clearly. We're, I I think I think we've lost the track. So let's try to briefly kind of let's bring it back on track yeah. and talk about platforms since we're talking about railways and trains. Sure. Uh, are you expanding this to other platforms? Is it usable in other platforms? You talk about Android and iOS, for example, with uh, native coroutines. Could I use that for desktop applications? Um, not really at the moment. Uh, obviously. The fundamentals could be used on our platforms, uh, but I think the real power is in uh, the way you think about the Kotlin code and I don't know Swift or whatever other language you want to interrupt with, and see where the where the issues are and how you can solve that. And the current approach for KMPNA's coroutines is really focused on the Objective C Swift interrupt. So. It obviously will work for any other target that supports closures and generics. That's not really a question. It could be easily done. Um, but the question really is if that would be the best experience for that specific platform, or if there would be a better one. And I think that's where the challenge is in finding out. Okay. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like in, in general, KMP native coroutines has, has found a a really good problem to fix um and i i think it was something that was uh that was probably long overdue and i i think it's going to sell so like learning about kmp native coroutines is hopefully going to save a couple of people uh, a bunch of headaches uh on their on their kotlin multi-platform journey um so uh, again i just want to say thanks a lot for actually building the library and i think well well deserved with the um, with the grant as well. So, what is it actually that's uh, that's next for you? What's like on the on the most immediate roadmap? Well, the most immediate roadmap is the recently released uh, IDE plugin, which was uh, long overdue. So, well, like we mentioned before, you have to use annotations to mark your suspend functions or flow properties. Um, and there were a lot of checks because there are different kinds of annotations. You can just um, you can export a suspend function just as a suspend function, but when you are going to see uh, and have when you have a state flow property, uh, you depending on the use case, you might want to export it differently. So when you are interested in the flow, you obviously want I don't know a combined publisher or an async sequence. Uh, but when you're going to talk about few models, for example, you would really like it to be just a plain property that gets a value. So there are different kinds of ways. So you can, uh, when you want to export a state flow, you can export it as a flow, or you can export it as a value, just a property. Uh, there are different kinds of annotations for that. You can uh, mark some annot- declarations as being ignored. So it doesn't generate anything. Um, and there were all kinds of checks there because obviously you can't just annotate any random property. It has to be a flow. Um, but it didn't really provide any nice uh, hints, n- nor during compilation, nor in the ID. Um, so I've recently added that. So you have uh, 
a very nice warning or error, depending on the case, um, with some quick fixes to add annotations. Um, so when you install the plugin, you actually, by default, get a warning for every suspend function or flow property that gets exposed to Objective-C with a little hint that you might want to add that little annotation just to make life a little bit easier. Oh, that sounds excellent. Because uh, I, I feel like otherwise, yeah, without that, I, I guess it's easy to just maybe forget an annotation or, or something uh, slips by the wayside. That's uh, that's really cool. And this is just a just an IntelliJ plugin that's already released. Yeah, correct. Okay, so then let me repeat my question though. What is next on the roadmap? Because <laughs> uh, if that one's already done, what's happened? Yeah, that's recently done indeed. Um, the next big chapter would be uh, to support Swift to Kotlin cases in the, the biggest sense of the word. So currently you can. Um, you can use, for example, a suspend function in Kotlin, but when that suspend function accepts a suspend function as an argument, that won't work right now. Um, so that's still something that needs to be implemented. The same goes for passing a, a publisher to Kotlin to use it as a flow in your Kotlin code, or maybe to subclass some kind of class that uses a suspend function or a flow property. Um, and all those cases are things that I think should be supported before it should be considered stable. Um, yeah, so I'm working on that right now. And uh, some of those cases are a little bit easier than others, but I think we are going to get there. It's great that uh, the work that you're doing, once again, Rick, uh, and once again from the foundation side, thank you for that. From the Kotlin community side, thank you for that. And uh, we do wish you the best of luck. Um, but uh, I'll let you off with a warning this time, okay? Um, we brought you onto the show with KM and view models. Next on the roadmap for you should be KMP view models. I kept waiting for you to say it, but <laughs> you just didn't say it. And, and Sepp kept saying, okay, so what else is on the roadmap for you? But you didn't say that I'm going to go home and now read. Well, you are home, but uh, go and rename this. So, yeah. Yeah, just done the pull request, right? Uh, it's completely broken. I mean, if you want, oh. I will, but. Yeah, just done yeah. it. It's obviously gold breaks, so why not? <laughs> And that will go down in history as don't ever accept pull requests from this guy called Hadi. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, fingers crossed. Although my fingers aren't crossed right now. And uh, best of luck to you, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. So. I suppose uh, we can just put your uh, your GitHub in the in the show notes. Uh, I think that's probably where people would go to find. Is there any other place you wanna you wanna shout out, perhaps? I don't know. That's a little bird uh, X thingy or something like that. Also a great place to find me. <laughs> Very good. We'll we'll make sure that we add that one as well. Um, yeah, and hopefully we'll uh, also add a couple of the the sample projects using uh, KMP native coroutines. Um, so that people can see that stuff in action um, and see how nice and convenient it is. I look forward to trying out that IntelliJ plugin, actually. Um, I didn't know about that one's existence, so uh, very cool. It isn't that long ago that I released it, so makes sense. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah. Then uh, thank you so much for coming on. 
Uh, and I hope that you you said your your weather was this was from before the show, so people don't know this. You said your weather was slightly cloudy, but you said something about fishing before. Yeah, it's it's been was slightly cloudy. The sun uh, is breaking through right now, so that's nice. Look at that. And there were some people fishing. I don't know. They've left, so they're no longer there. All right. Yeah. I gotta make use of this uh, the sunlight while it's out. I know Hadi this would probably be melting, but that's how it goes. Better than the dark, right? So. Yeah, better than better than being in the dark. Okay, well, uh, I think we can wrap up here once again. Thank you so much for coming on, um, and I'm excited to do some of my own KMP native coroutining. For everyone else, uh, if you are excited as well, find the links in the show notes. Uh, make sure you do all the social media interactions. Um, that we don't need to tell you about anymore because you already know what they are. Uh, and we, of course, hope that you'll tune in in a future episode. All right. Yep. And uh, remember that there's a lot of projects out there that have KMM in front of them. <laughs> so send in those pull requests. <laughs> I'm sure people are going to love you for it. All right. Great. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.